tuning in to the Cross the Line podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and I have another special guest today. He's the director of training and professional development here at the Sunshine House. Um, his name is Mr. Willis Fortune. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Carlos. I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, be on. Oh, thank you. Oh, no problem. Just glad it's been. I know it's been a while, but I'm glad to see you. Um, were able to take the time out to come sit with me, and um, because this it's been a this has been a journey, and I wonder if this has been my dream to, you know, kind of start up my own podcast and interview people and try to get them to inspire others. So um, one of the things, one of the first things I want to ask you is what are your, some of your responsibilities here? Okay. Well, yeah, as um, being an, over the training and professional development, my responsibilities are, are really working with people and making people better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a whole lot different than being a coach on an athletic team. So uh, one of the roles is creating a coaching atmosphere, creating an atmosphere for learning and, and development. And um, in our in our business, education um, is the, the key to success. Right. So um, even our educators, my main focus is making sure our educators get educated right. and, and improve their education. Right. And I saw that you also had, an, I don't want to shortchange it because I saw you had a, a list of other jobs and can you talk about some of those other occupations that you've had as well yeah yeah well when i first started out of college um i tried my hand out at insurance and um you know one of the things uh, i learned really quickly was i was not prepared to be an insurance agent right. so um quickly i rotated there from there to being a vocational counselor for the state of south Carolina. Mm-hmm. and that's where i developed my passion for training um it was going to be a stop where i was going to stay there for i had a plan i was going to stay there for six months I stayed there for five years, and on the way to staying there five years, I went back to school and got my master's degree. Right. Um, and again, my passion for training came from that first job, and I thought I was just going to do that six months to a year. Right. And uh, like I said, I remember you telling me that you actually played football at Newberry. Yeah. And uh, well, let me guess, I, I think I want to uh, try to refresh my memory. I think you said number 35. That's right. Yeah. Right. My brother, he was number 35, played linebacker at Newberry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, awesome. I, so, um, I know a lot of guys, They when they go to college, the initial dream is, you know, go pro. So how was it for you? Because, you know, they always say a lot of guys, it's very slim chance that you'll go pro. So what was your uh, initial plan, you know, coming out of college instead of going pro? Like when your playing days were over, what were you kind of thinking after life after football? Well, I'll tell you, Carlos, going going into to college, I had the, the same dream as, as playing pro. Um, initially, you know, I was a three-star recruit. Uh, I was recruited by um, all of the Southeast schools and the ACC schools, and and um, you know, and, and and you know, and I decided to go to a more smaller school where you had a little bit more education focus mm-hmm. than athletics. Um, but again, after my freshman year, I realized, you know, what they said about that three percent or two percent mm-hmm. makes the NFL. That I had to concentrate on my education and making sure that I'm prepared for if I don't make it. So, um, you know, I had some tryouts with, with a couple teams. One particular team had a, a really good truck workout with the Houston Oilers at the time. So okay. I'm kind of dating myself. Right. Like, it's, it's all right. right. It's all right. I'm saying the Houston Oilers because they don't exist anymore. They're the Titans. Um, but I had a good workout with them uh, and realized the NFL was a, a tremendous business. And even having a great workout, the likelihood of someone coming from a small school um, and making it to the NFL, even coming from a larger school, making it to the NFL was very slim. Right. So my focus on education became my way 
to, to success. Who were some of your mentors growing up uh, in, in sports and even in your education, towards your education, who were some of your mentors? Well, I hate to be cliche, but really my parents were. Mm -hmm. My parents, uh, I was the only child, so they put a lot of pressure on me to, to graduate from college, be the first in the family to graduate from college, mm -hmm. and to make sure education was first. Even though I was hard-headed and I had the NFL right. dream, they pushed me to you go get the education because that's what really is going to be what you're going to fall back on. Right. And uh, what what made you want more in life? Was it the family or just self-driven? What made it? What made you want um, more? I would say family because my my parents again they sacrificed a lot uh, for me to have everything I needed, um, and I saw them work every day, work really hard. They worked in textiles. Um, they would work from sun up to sundown, um, and you know made a decent living. Um, but it was one of those things that they didn't want me to do that. They wanted me to have a different life. Right. And um, I know you kind of said it earlier, but how, how did you find your passion? Because you went from playing, you know, pretty much growing up playing football all mm -hmm. your life and graduating and then moving on to try different jobs. How did you find what you were really passionate about? Well, coming from a coming from athletic background where football, again, that was that was like hey, my dream come true to, to be a high school football athlete, be a shrine bowler, be recruited highly. Uh, um, um, my passion for competition, I kind of related that to work and mm -hmm. being a coach at work. Um, so when I discovered training and I discovered a training role about 20 years ago when I first started working in banking, um, I got some of the same challenges that I had on the football field. Right. You know, I had the same challenges. You know, sometimes you would do something and it didn't work out. But going back to my athletics, if we lost a game, I knew the next time I came back out and I had to come back out with full force and come back and correct all the errors I had. Did you ever think about trying your hand at coaching once you got out of football? Or I did. And, I, and honestly, I, I just spoke with someone the other day about that. It was That was one of my bucket list items that I did not do and I still haven't achieved yet. Mm -hmm. And the, the problem was with coaching was when I first got out of school, coaching was you really didn't make enough money to pay your student loans back right. if you had student loans. Uh, you didn't make enough money to su support a family if you had a family. Mm -hmm. um, so I made, I went a different route. Looking back on it, I have friends who, who went right in and out of coaching, and now they are making tremendous salaries. Right. Um, but it took investment. Just like my career now, it took a it took years of investment. You don't become a head coach mm -hmm. overnight. It takes time. Yeah, and I know that's, that's for a fact. And um, how, to you, how important is education? And I, I have a lot of mm -hmm. questions based around education, but mm -hmm. and I, I just want to get your uh, how important do you think education is? I would not be here talking with you today if I didn't get my education. Mm -hmm. um, education, about three years ago, when the bank I worked for for 20 years mm -hmm. sold, um, and I thought I would be there for 100 years, education allowed me to go home and sleep good at night mm -hmm. because it allowed me to know that I'm going to get another job. And probably it's going to be a better job. Right. And, um, you know, to that credit, education allowed me to, to land in a job that was better, yeah. a career that was better. Hmm. Um, if I didn't have the education, I probably would have been worried about where do I go now. Right. And what, the reason I asked that, because like you were saying, you mentioned that some of your friends that were coaching, they had hard times paying back your student loans. Mm -hmm. and, and I get with my friends a lot of times and sometimes we we went to college, we got our degrees and we sit back and we have to pay back these big amounts of student loans. You know, it's, it's a struggle. 
for me, um, I finally got mine situated so I got my payments down because I was paying about $500 a month in student loans. So we were talking and sometimes we just sat there like, we don't know if going to college was really worth it because yes, we get a, we have a degree, but then the, the things that we have to go through in the end, like paying back these student loans, mm-hmm. was it really worth going mm-hmm. through all of that? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we sat, I mean, yes, it's a great thing, but the stress of paying back these student loans, mm-hmm. that that was the hard part for us. So that's why I asked, do you think it's really yeah, and, and, and I, I, I've gone through those same thoughts at times, um, but I would tell you definitely having an education is something that can never be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the education may not be paying off immediately, but it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's an investment in yourself. Absolutely. It's an investment in yourself. It's sort of like buying a house. That house may not be paying you off now, but one day you're going to want to sell that house. Mm-hmm. And that house may be worth 150, 200, 300, 400,000 when you sell it. Um, and at the time you bought it for a tenth of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge investment in yourself. So it's going to pay off in the end. I, I agree. And and one of the things was because we we talk about it. We said sometimes at school, we take classes that we don't necessarily need for some, for me. For instance, I had art history and uh, mu- music history, mm-hmm. like stuff and geology, uh, stuff that I, since I've graduated, I haven't even used yet. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like, I think they should kind of narrow down the classes, courses that for your field that you need, something like that, instead of just taking all of these, wasting all this money on unnecessary classes that you know you may not need. That's one of the things I thought that they could um, use to fix it. But do you have any kind of thing you think they should do to fix the school system or yeah i I do i I really do um you know coming again coming from a banking um background i think schools need to have more life skills classes i agree you know uh, banking 101 everyone Mm -hmm. needs a checking account everyone needs a how to get a loan everyone needs to know about their credit um just like they have any other elective it should be a mandatory course for everyone who graduates that you have one of these courses because that's life Mm -hmm. i mean it could be called life 101 um, and because a lot of times we find out the hard way, and I was one of the ones I found out the hard way. I first got out of college, working, making money, and I never bounced a checkbook. So you know, my first only the good thing about it, I learned one time. I wrote one bad check, and it cost me about 150 bucks. Mm. Being as tight as I am, that taught me my lesson. <laughs> that taught me my lesson. But being a banker, I've seen folks pay the bank thousands of dollars a year. When they could have just balanced their checkbook, and that money, thousand dollars, could have been going for something else mm-hmm. that they needed. One of the um, I, I reference this book a lot, but one of the books that I've read when I actually got my second car, the, the guy who I bought my car, he told me get this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Robert Kiyosaki, and it's it's really it it really breaks down a lot of things. And he he was saying that his his rich dad was the dad that didn't go to school to college and get a, a get a get an education. His poor dad was the dad that went to school and got an education. And he was saying some of the things with that school doesn't necessarily, like you said, teach you life skills. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that he he preached and he said he learned a lot from his his poor his rich dad because his dad he um he was in the field just working and I guess he kind of figured out life skills on his way instead of going through school. Because, like you said, they don't necessarily teach you like the life skills and things you actually need, like balancing the checkbook That's and right. things like that in the long That's run. Right. So I, I think that is something that they really need to mm-hmm. to work on. Because it's for me coming out of college, 
I was still kind of, and I still am today. I'm still learning mm-hmm. how to figure things out mm-hmm. and um, just building my credit and mm-hmm. different things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that is um, really important. And uh, another thing I want to ask you about, why do you feel like, do you feel like we don't have enough male teachers, black male teachers in the school oh, system? Definitely. We definitely don't. Um, you know, there's a, there's a shortage of male teachers in general mm-hmm. uh, when you look at male teachers in general. But then when you when you're talking about minorities uh, teachers, uh, male black teachers, there's really none existence. You can go through a roster of, of local schools now and you may see three or four um, on a roster of 100 uh, teachers. It mm-hmm. may be three or four, so about 3%. Um, that are male black teachers. So as for our, and what it does, it builds upon itself because the kids see that I've never had a black male teacher, mm-hmm. then that must not be an option for me to be a teacher right. because I never see that. Do you, you think, know? oh, sorry to cut no, you off. Do, do you think it's something that we can do to fix that problem? I think if we if we start um, putting a spotlight on it, that there there is an option that, um you know, we have, the limited male teachers that we have, minority teachers we have, go and speak to other kids or speak at colleges about the role of, of being an educator and how important it is to be an educator. Mm-hmm. And vision, having a vision. Uh, here I teach um, courses and just rolled out a series on vision boards. And it's amazing the things that, and it's, it's the saying, it's a cliche saying that, you, that if you see it, you can achieve it. But it's so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see a group of male teachers that look like you, then more than likely you believe that you could do that. Mm-hmm. If you see a bunch of male teachers that are doctors and lawyers in your community, you start to believe that you can do it. Absolutely. There's a greater chance you can achieve it. And I, I remember um, last year, I remember seeing the video that went viral of the, the um, teacher, the black male teacher up in North Carolina, where mm-hmm. when his students were coming into the classroom, we had a different handshake for all of the students. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I just look at that like, you know, sometimes I think that's important because from a, a, a different back, uh, background with, with black students, I think if you see a teacher that kind of relates to you in some kind of way, that makes you feel more appreciated, more welcome, mm-hmm. more eager to learn or maybe mm-hmm. do what he does. So I think that is something I think that's a part, another part of it, because I think you, we like a lot of times we like to see um, black male teachers or black figures and out in the spotlight, and we want to kind of do what they do as well. So I, I think that really is important. But um, I, I really do hope we can uh, uh, figure out a solution for that, because I would like to see more black teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, what something else I want to ask you know, school school isn't necessarily for everybody. So what would you tell kids that feel like school isn't for them? Yeah. Well, if school is not for you, a traditional four-year school is not for you, um, it, whether you're going to be a welder, uh, you're going to be a carpenter, there's going to be some secondary education for you. Mm-hmm. Um, today, there's most of our items are not, uh, our jobs are not just handheld. They're computer, you have to be computer literate. So there's technical schools, great options. You know, if, if, if I didn't, if I wasn't blessed to be an athlete, I probably would have gone to a non-traditional two-year school because I love using my hands. I love to trade. Um, and it's, it's more economical as well. Mm-hmm. You're not burdened with the student loans and you're, you come out making just as much money or more than us guys that go to school for four years. Yeah. So um, trade school is a great option. Um, you know, I still think um, because my dad retired military, I still think the military is a good option. Mm-hmm. For some, um, my dad tells a story going in the military. My mom, you know, supports it, that he was a hard head. He was, um, uh, he was a, he, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, he was a rioter. 
he did a lot of things that could have got him in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, but going in the military gave him discipline. Um, it gave gave him an opportunity, a career. Um, once he got out of the military, his career flourished. So there's that's another option. Mm -hmm. That's even another option. So I think the the only option, none option, for anybody is staying at home and not doing anything. Right. You know, um, that's the only option. I would say you can't choose that one. Right. You have to do something <clears throat> to improve yourself. I agree. Do Do you feel like as a society that we may put too much pressure on kids at an early age because one of the things I thought about a while back was, you know, you always, all the time we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, and you have parents that say, my child is going to do this when they grow up and do that. Do you think we put too much pressure on kids? Because it's hard to ask a teenager what they want to do for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So do you mm -hmm. feel like it's a lot of pressure on kids nowadays? I think so. Um, you know, there are rare instances where someone is five years old. I have a cousin who she's an attorney now. She, since she was four or five years old, she wanted to be an attorney. Uh, and she's an attorney. She's fulfilled that dream. But for most of us, me including, uh, included, I didn't know what I wanted to be until mm -hmm. I was in my mid-20s. Right. You know, really, I was just, you know, getting a job where I can pay the bills and, you know, you know, go out and have fun with my friends. Mm -hmm. I really didn't start finding or locating my passion until I was in my mid-20s. Mm -hmm. uh, so for most most students, it may be starting college when you're in your 20s, working in starting college when you're in your 20s. Um, so you, that first couple of years, you're not throwing away uh, student loan money or throwing away your parents' money. Right. Um, figuring out where you want to be and what you want to do. Because right. for me, I, I say for me, I, I didn't actually, you know, when I went to school, I didn't really, I knew I wanted to go to school, but I didn't know what it was that I was going to do. I, at first, I started out saying, you know, I want to go do something with computers to make a lot of money. Then as I got towards my senior year, I started getting burnt out, just um, programming computers. So mm -hmm. I said, you know, if I want to do something I really enjoy doing, let me do something in sports and, and broadcasting. So that's when I picked up my internships in sports and covering the Hornets and Panthers and different things like that, because I knew they, that to me, that was more fulfilling than just. Yeah. Picking up a paycheck. Oh, yeah. So even now, when I go out and speak to you and, and some of my mentors or, or, or other business owners, my thing is just kind of get their advice and see what kind of mm -hmm. the ideas that they can share with um, younger mm -hmm. people because I think that's that's really important. And also, do you think that um, like you said, you figured out you figured it out at eight, like in your mid twenties? But mm -hmm. do you think what's the age that you think most people start figuring out? Well, I would say uh, for us, for us, and, and I hate to be this way, but for us guys, it takes us a little, a little longer. Mm -hmm. uh, for females, they're more mature quicker than we are. Um, they are 18, 19, and knowing what they want to do the rest of their lives. For us guys, it takes us, you know, 20s and 30s mm -hmm. before we figure out, okay, all right, it's time to settle down and do what I need to do and do the right thing. So I say anywhere between 25 and the 30s okay. uh, is where uh, most males um, – get serious and, and, and about their careers and what they want to move forward. Would you, would you recommend somebody coming out of high school to kind of, they, they didn't necessarily know what they want to do right away. Would you recommend them go to work straight out of school and then kind of get a feel for what they want and then go to school or just kind of go through the most, I mean, you can go, through, go to school and then kind of pick it up then mm -hmm. or just sit out work first and then go that way. You're not throwing away that money. Yeah. I, it's it's a case by case. I will always because again I know how important education is. I'll always lean on going to college first, 
and, and figuring it out. Um, and when I say by figuring it out, you know as, as well as I do, once you got to college, you were molded by the people you became friends with. Mm-hmm. So I had guys from Florida, New Jersey, New York, California, I became friends with. And they, you know, I may have thought about being a business uh, manager at one point. And um, they brought the new topics about being HR leader. Mm-hmm. And um, and it sounded like, okay, wow, that's that's still business training, but it's more HR. So you're molded by your environment. So right. I would say going and being in that college environment, a lot of times that will mold the direction you take. Right. Either I, positive or negative. I mean, for, for me, I kind of looked at it. And I, I agree with what you're saying in certain, to a certain extent. Now, I kind of looked at it in a way as, for me, I thought, you know, just because of what I, I guess, because of how much student loans hurt me yeah, in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like, I felt like maybe, you know, what I would have done differently maybe was kind of sit out, work, and then kind of figure out, okay, this isn't for me. Let me try my hand at school, figure out maybe something else I can do differently. It just, mm-hmm. student loans really... I guess oh, if yeah. you listen to this, student loans really put a yeah. put a hurt on me for a while. Yeah. But but I, I think you, you can do it either way. But I think because of what I went through, I would tell people, figure out what you want to do first. Because if you just go to school, not knowing, you're going to end up wasting time and money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, the people that I went to school with, a lot of people didn't even finish. Yeah. They, they just stopped going, you know, partying, yeah. different things like yeah. that. So I think if you, for me, I believe if you work, kind of figure it out once you get to get in that environment and you you are so driven to want more mm-hmm. i think that would definitely mm-hmm. help but i mm-hmm. it's it, you, yeah. it go ahead it, it it and it, again it's a case by case my only fear about working prior to going to school is a lot of times life happens mm-hmm. you start working you meet this young lady you meet this young man um you out now you get serious you have a child you get married and now school is 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 it's still achievable, but it's tough. Right. Uh, you got bills to pay now. You got a house note. Uh, so a lot of times folks defer their dream of going to school, and then that dream never happens because life happens. Oh, yeah. And school, when you're in that 2018-21, that's a better time because maybe you haven't accumulated enough those responsibilities yet. Right. Um, so that's the only pro I would say about going to school first. Now, if you know you're not a school person, well, a lot of parents will push folks to go to school and they're not school people. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a waste of money exactly. because you're going to fail out or you're going to get kicked out mm-hmm. um, if you don't really want to go to school. Uh, so you got to still have that inner drive. Yeah. But I, I always say if you want to be a, a doctor, lawyer, mm-hmm. definitely you absolutely need to go to school. But, mm-hmm. but I, I don't I don't know. I guess for certain majors, like if you're a music major, I, 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 w- I, w- I would never say it's not worth going to school to get your education. But for us. For something like that, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what I what I would say too, Carlos, and we we don't do a good job of this. Um, schools in, in, enrollment people at school don't do a good job of this, and it need to be posted. I'll even say it should be mandatory that they put careers in what the salary expectation will be on it. So if you go to school and um, you're going to school to be an educator, you know you're not going to make a hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. You know. This one percent makes a hundred grand a year, and they've been in the skill system 20, 30 years. Uh, if you major in art, then you're going to be a teacher, and you're going to make thirty year a year. You're not going to make a hundred. So give that ex- expectation, because uh, I like you. When I graduated from college, I, I graduated with a lot of guys that um, you know did art appreciation as a major, mm-hmm. and um, but they didn't want to teach, and they didn't want to do anything. 
And I'm like, what are you going to do with that degree? Right. So, you know, it, it really was a $120,000 mistake for them majoring in it. It's a lot degree. of money. It's a lot of, and, and I too, I had student loans from grad school and, and those student loans, I had those student loans for 20 years. You know, I, I got an increasing level term. That was one of the options too. Um, as my salary went up, then the amount of I had to pay back went up. Right. Um, and that made that bite a little bit better. Um, but it was stiff. And, you know, for someone who didn't get a, if you didn't get a scholarship undergrad, you got that plus you have your grad if you go to grad school. So, you know, we, I have friends that have paid $1,000 back now who jumped back to school. That's a lot. 1000 a month. That's, that's, long. that's outrageous. That is. That's your so, house. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's the realization. Me, if I had to go back through it now, um, I would probably take an alternative and I'll go two years technical school, mm-hmm. pay $300 an hour versus 15 or $3,000 an hour. Mm-hmm. By the time I go to that four year school, um, I'm already a junior. Right. And cut my student loan in half. Exactly. I couldn't go there four years and the first two years pay a hundred grand for English and math and literature. It's, 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 really, it's really expensive. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the, the thing about education. And, um, the timetable, like you were saying, where you said where they put it, if they put it out there and let you know you'll be making this much in a certain amount of time, do you think that's um, something that hinders people from wanting to do it? Because for me, when I got out of school, you know, I was wanting to do things in sports. And when mm-hmm. I got, for some reason, when I got out, I thought one of the things was, okay, I'm getting ready to graduate, so I think I should be able, I got, I have my degree now, so I should be able to go get a job at ESPN or Fox Sports like right away, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's something that uh, kind of hinders people nowadays from going to get an education because of the timetable of what they expect to make and uh, what kind of job that they are expecting to get? Do you think that's something that yeah. also hinders? Well, I, I think to a point, um, one of the things I share with my students at PC um, some some of my students straight A's there at PC. Some of my students are you know C and B students. Mm-hmm. Uh, still good students, but um, uh, one of the things I share with them is once you go out in the workforce, there's companies going to ask, okay, what were your GPA? But the biggest thing I would say is your networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I even have a little uh, saying that um, I pulled out the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago. It says, you know, oh your grades are great, um, your your work history are great, but who do you know? So it goes back to networking. Who do you know? Who do you know in networking is just as important as, as what school you went to right. today. So um, networking, that's one of the things I, I, I thought was astonishing when I met you a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was your ability to network. No one is a stranger. Yes, sir. You know, you're handing out your car. You, you're exchanging LinkedIn contact. Um, that is important. Now, networking is powerful. powerful. Do, do you think... Um, I hate to ask this question, but you, yeah. do you feel like networking is more important than grades or would you, or uh, how would you yeah. say if, okay. if you don't have a network, you can be a valedictorian and not have opportunity. Networking gives you opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't even have an opportunity to display that you had great grades unless you get a network and get in front of folks for an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, that interview, a lot of times, we've, we, we pretty much decide a lot of times on the HR side from from the networking that someone knows someone if we want to hire them that interview either seals the deal or eliminates the deal mm-hmm. so the interview is just almost like an amazon i can see the product now i'm gonna buy it right that's what the interview is i'm gonna buy this product because i can see a picture of it now right 
And one, because uh, my teacher, when we were in our class, he would tell us, you might have the good grades and everything, but it's all about how you sell yourself. That's right. Because what people see is what mm-hmm. they really want to, uh, what they'll invest in. And uh, that's actually mm-hmm. like hand in hand with networking because my, I was, my last um, interview that I did with my friend Tevin, the music artist, mm-hmm. really good music artist. He, one of the things I was telling him about was how I ended up getting one of my internships with the Panthers. I, the lady came to the gas station at Costco and mm-hmm. I was just talking to her and she had the, the Panthers tag on the back of her car. And I asked mm-hmm. her, was she a fan? And she told me, of course. And she said her husband was over security for 20 years for the Panthers and he was getting ready to retire. And I told her that I was actually looking for an internship for school. And she told me, well, I'll go talk to him and we'll see what we can do. So when she came back like a week later, she told me, um, his, my, I talked to my husband and he said, give you this number to call. And when you talk to him, tell him that you spoke with Gene Brown over security. Uh, and uh, so I gave him a call. And the next day after I called the Panthers and left them a voicemail, they called me back in, brought me in for an interview. And I, right on the spot when I went up there, just like yeah. that. So I you think if you sent a resume in saying Carlos Smith, it, you would have had the same result? I, a blank resume, not knowing Gene Brown. I don't think so. No. So it was again, it was making that networking opportunity, mm-hmm. having that conversation, being likable. Mm-hmm. Because for instance, you know, he knew that he, man, my wife likes him. I haven't even met him. I like him. Exactly. So it's about those relationships and, and that networking. Uh, and not being afraid to to hey, hey, how you doing? You know, you know, making an instant relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and being likable. And I and I think it's important too because when you when you t- when you're talking to people um, not being afraid to ask for something. Not, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of get shied away from asking for something or or they don't want to be turned down. They mm-hmm. fear of being turned down. But my thing is, so so like, and I heard Steve Harvey say, so what if you, what if they do say no? It's not like you had it anyway. That's right. So yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with just asking for something. So I, that, and that's one of the things I've been doing is reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to reach out to you and ask mm-hmm. you and you were willing mm-hmm. to do an interview. Mm-hmm. I just think, if you really want to have something, you just have to take a chance to step out on faith and just ask. Because mm-hmm. right. everybody needs a helping hand from somebody. That's right. You just need a chance, opportunity. And then, again, it, you know, even when I share it with you, I was like, hey, you, you know, you're going to meet somebody who knows somebody else mm-hmm. or knows somebody that knows somebody else. And that's when that door is going to come down. Mm-hmm. And um, and it comes, it's it's basically, basically a blessing. And then a lot of times folks pray, and I'm not a preacher or anything, but they pray for God to do stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but what God does, he puts it on, on other men's hearts and women's hearts to give you favor. Right. And a lot of times you get that favor over somebody that may have been more qualified than you. Mm-hmm. But you got that favor because God put it in their heart to say, man, I like that guy. I like that lady. I'm going to give her an opportunity. Right. And I think it's, it's really, really important. And another thing I wanted to ask you was about um, you were a business major. Mm-hmm. So have you did you ever think about starting your own business? Yeah, I, I did. In, in a couple of years ago, my wife was with, with State Farm for about uh, 18 years uh, working for an agent. We actually went in business and we ran an agency for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. State Farm Agency it was, it was a great opportunity, uh, great eye opening. Uh, it set me up and set us up for the next business. Mm-hmm. So and that's, you know, that's what I'm in the process of now thinking about. Is it going to be the consulting business? Using my skills and using hers from the, her financial industry background with insurance, or would it be a business uh, more geared around sports, 
you know, one of my, again, a bucket list of mine is being able to, 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 to have uh, conversations with uh, NFL draftees who are going to the NFL about their financial, how to, to, to set themselves up for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is even down to the seventh to sixth round uh, draft picks uh, because it's, it's a tremendous burden for them to, to come out, like we spoke earlier, at 21 years old and having this large sums of money mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do with it except for spend it. Right. Um, and, and being a, a former athlete, there's a sort of a, a depression you go through once your career is over with. Mm-hmm. You know, mine was over with after 12 or 13, 14 years of playing through college. There's over with sometimes 20 years after playing college, and that's the instant not playing anymore. Uh, so I would like to counsel and give them advice on how to get transition right. to normalcy. Because a lot of them, like you said, I, I remember watching the documentary um, "Broke" that he, the 30 for 30 that uh, ESPN put out, and how a lot of them go broke after they playing days, or some of them are living actually paycheck to paycheck yeah. because of the large amounts of money that they're spending. So I think that's, that's really important. And, uh, and but going back to what you were talking about, one of your careers in banking, mm-hmm. um, I want to ask you, what is the importance of having good credit? Oh, good credit. It will make the difference between where you live. Um, sometimes it make the difference in how you die. Um, but credit is, I can't even emphasize how important it is to credit. Um, along with that life skill course I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that should be part of that curriculum is how you manage your credit. You know, if you make mistakes in credit, you can recoup from it, but it's going to cost you. Uh, every mistake it has a cost that goes with it. Right. Um, but credit can be the difference between you paying a house payment $1,000 a month and buying that same house and paying $600 a month for it. Mm-hmm. So over the life of a loan, you may end up paying $50,000 because of a credit decision you made. Wow. I mean, and it's, it's it, it adds up, you know, and, and it's it's risk, it's it risk based. So a bank, you know, legitimately puts in these risk um, criteria in there where your interest rate is higher mm-hmm. because you're higher risk than than Joe Blow across the street. Right. And if they do, you do default on it. At least they're gonna be got more than money back because you're paying a higher payment. Right. And for me, I didn't want to ruin my credit, um, so I so that was why I was. I mean, it was hard for me to pay the five hundred dollars a month, so that's why I ended up picking up another job to pay it. But I didn't want it to to ruin my credit, or if if I didn't pay it, they were going to come out after my parents because they co-signed. So for me, it was important for me because I wanted to, you know, build my credit. Mm -hmm. I had a car in my name, so I wanted to to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what what are some other things that people starting out, young people starting out, what what do you recommend for them to do just to start building up their credit? To start building up their credit, it will be to start out with one credit card, maybe one uh, store credit, um, and then maybe one traditional loan and pay those religiously. Uh, um, one of the things worse than not having credit or having poor credit is not having credit at all. Mm-hmm. So, the reason why you need to have at least those three lines is so you can start establishing credit and that establishes your history. So when a banker or finance company or broker sees your history, they can see that, hey, yeah, Willis has paid this car back and he paid it five years. He paid it off in five years and he has this other loan. He pays it religious, no late payments. Um, he has this um, student loan. He's paying it back. So his history shows what he does now. He's going to do that in the future. So if mm-hmm. I give him a, this $30,000 loan, he's going to pay us back. Mm-hmm. But the vice versa to that is if 
Willis is not paying anything back, then his past shows what he's going to do in the future. He's right. going to pay me back. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't have any credit, then I'm really, if I'm the lender, I'm going out on the limb. Because you don't, they don't have know. any history. Right. There's no history to look at. So you got to have some credit. It's bad not to have credit at all because no one will lend to you. Um, too much credit is awful. If you don't manage credit, it's, it's terrible. Would you would you recommend um, paying, making payments on something or just paying it completely out right off the bat? Because I've heard stories of sometimes some people, what they'll do is they'll go to a bank, maybe take out a thousand dollars loan, let it sit in the bank. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to make that payment, just go ahead and just pay it right back off. Would you recommend doing that or just kind of make um, a steady payment? Again, you need that history. So if you can establish a history of a month, Per month, mm-hmm. then it's better than paying it off. Because if, if you pay it off too quick, it's not going to give it time enough to build up your credit score. Mm-hmm. And your credit score needs time. It needs time to build it up. Um, so a lot of times I see these fix my credit things where they can fix your credit in two weeks for $500. And, and I'm still wondering how can, you know, why that hasn't been, you know, on the, on the, on the radar, radar police or FBI because wow. it's just not true. You can't repair your credit in overnight. It takes mm-hmm. time. How, how long does it take to repair your credit? Does it depend on how bad it is? It, just, or? it depends on how bad it is, how much it is. Um, you know, a lot of times it's seven years traditionally. Mm-hmm. If it's a bankruptcy, it's ten years. Um, you know, some lenders don't tell you if it's at the sixth year of that seven year, and you start paying something on it, that clock starts over again. Mm-hmm. Being a former banker, I probably shouldn't be saying that on the air. Don't <laughs> probably put me in banker prison, but. If your 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 credit, you had a delinquent credit, and it's at the six year, then it's really not beneficial to you to start making payments on Just it. Just let it go. Just let it go, because in on the seven year, it's gone. It's not going to show up anymore. If you start making payments on it now, the clock starts over. Right, man. That's yeah. I think that's something people <laughs> really need to yeah. hear. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate not paying your creditors back because I think you you make a make an agreement at your word. Right. I'm gonna pay it back. But hey, unforeseen instances where you lose your job, your health, death, um, things happen. Life happens. Right. Um, what is what to you? What is the importance of? I've I've heard Damon John. Um, I was listening to another podcast when he was on Lewis House, and he was talking about he was urged people to read and learn about the importance of financial intelligence. Mm-hmm. What is the importance of financial intelligence? Financial intelligence um, is, again, having that, that finance 101. Today, we don't have an excuse. Our parents had an excuse. Um, they didn't know it. If you don't know, you can't do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, we have resources. You have YouTube. You have all these. You have Wall Street Journal. You can look up online. You have thousands of resources that can teach you about finances. So if you don't have financial intelligence, it's going to cost you. Uh, again, it's going to cost you in how much you pay for your insurance. Mm-hmm. Everything is based on your credit now. It's, it's gonna pay. You're gonna pay more for your insurance, if your house and your car. You're gonna pay more for that car. You're gonna pay more. Um, maybe even getting a student loan. You may not be able to get a student loan because of it. Um, you know. So there's a lot of repercussions to not knowing finances. So right. financial 101 again. That's that should be like have mandatory English class. Mm-hmm. It should be a mandatory class for all students. All right. Oh, okay. And um, something else I wanted to know about was um. Mm-hmm. With everything that, that that you've accomplished, do you feel like because of um, maybe skin color or anything, do you feel like you had to go the extra mile to accomplish anything that you've ever had, that you gained? Well, because I 
only been in skin color. I only know from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I do. I have been able to help folks of different races achieve things a little bit easier than I have. Mm-hmm. But that still hadn't been a deterrent for me. Uh, I knew uh, for me to get where I had to be, I had to have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, even part of my bucket list is going out and getting my my doctor's degree. Uh, because I know to get that key to open doors for me is going to be going that extra step. You know, and that, that probably would have been in my DNA no matter what. Right. But I know from a, from a fact, the only reason why I have the opportunities I have now is because of education. Right. Um, even with the networking, if I didn't have a piece of paper, it probably wouldn't happen. Right. Do you feel like you've ever had, um, well, for me, when I went to, when I was covering different events, I, I didn't see a lot of black people, a lot of black women or black men mm-hmm. um, covering different sporting events and not saying maybe it's something they're not interested in. Maybe they're not getting that opportunity that they, they want. But do you feel like you've maybe ever had, you felt any kind of pushback or racial discrimination along mm-hmm. your journey? I, I, I could say I have. Um, but whenever I, I saw that kind of pushback or I saw that roadblock, I went back to my athletic days was it's competition and let's be, let the games begin. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love competition. And, you know, I may lose, but you better be sure I'm coming back the next time. It's going to be really tough. So I always seen it as a competitive thing. Uh, I know a lot of times it can get you down. And, I've, of course, I've been down before. Like, I know I was qualifying for this, and I didn't get this. Um, but, again, I have to say, okay, am I going to quit? Or am I going to just say, you know, or am I going to say, okay, well, I, I, I switch it up on. Okay. Last topic before we switch to sports. What mm-hmm. like like we were saying, what would you tell people who feel like they haven't gotten the opportunity that they felt like they deserve or for for any reason, what would you tell them to, to do? Sometimes I, I think when you don't get the opportunity that you feel like you deserve and you work hard for, then you have to turn around and make your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I, we discussed that before. Sometimes you have to make your own opportunity. If, if you... Um, in any job, if you can't get a, a, you know, a job working in engineering, then you may want to start your own engineering firm. Now, that's easy to say, but it's work behind it. Mm-hmm. But that's where a lot of successful folks have done. They've had doors shut in their face, and if they didn't have that door shut in their face, they may have been sitting in the chair working for somebody and not working, having their own billion dollar corporation. Right. So sometimes it takes you building your own empire. Just build your own empire. Right. All right. So let's switch to sports. All right. Do a couple of sports topics and then I'll yeah. get out your way. Yeah, I know yeah. you're busy. Yeah. Um, just some of your favorite sports teams in pro college. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some of your? Yeah, my favorite uh, sports teams in pro, and I started with the Panthers. I've been a Panther fan since um, 96, 97 when they mm-hmm. started. Um, kind of that I met with um, Mark Richardson. Mark Richardson, um, the son of Jared Richardson, mm-hmm. uh, was in the process of recruiting uh, NFL team. And at that same time, um, I was a, um, a high school senior, and I was being getting all kind of accolades for Greenville Touchdown Club, Lawrence County Touchdown Club. And just how it happened two weeks in a row, Mark was at both events speaking when I was getting a touchdown club. Wow. So um, from there, I was like, well, if we ever get a Panthers team, you know, that ever comes to truth, that's going to be the team I support. Wow. So I've been a Panthers fan big time. Um, college, um, I'm a USC first fan. So am I. Um, and then, um, but I'm not a Clemson hater. Truth be known, out of college, if it wasn't a, a such thing as a prop 48 player, I would have signed to play football at Clemson. Wow. 
Um, but it was the end of the thing. I didn't want to pay student loans. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't offer me a scholarship because of the Prop 48. I chose a Division II school for the full ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm a USC fan. Uh, number one, Clemson is one, one B. Okay. Yeah. What do, what do you think the Panthers need to do to get back? Well, we need that. We need those young receivers we have, uh, Bird, to come back healthy. We need Samuel to come back healthy. Um, we need to add, I think, a veteran, veteran receiver, which we have Torrey Smith. Mm-hmm. But I wish we had one more veteran receiver uh, to kind of lead those guys. Because mm-hmm. I, I think they're both they both were coming on before the injuries. Right. Uh, we need that. We need a um, we need another thumper at at free safety uh, to, to replace Coleman. Um, we need a running back. I wish I was 25 years younger. We, have, <laughs> we need a thumper, a running back. So we, we have McCarthy, who is lightning fast, but we need a thumper who can get that one or two yards mm-hmm. in the middle. Um, so in, um, I, I, the guy's name uh, passes me by now, but he didn't get a lot of opportunity last year. I think he's going to get more opportunity this year. He's pretty much a, of a thumper. Okay. 34. For me, when I when I look at it – um. And I, I go by, go off of experience. I'm a Ravens fan. So we had Torrey Smith when we went to the Super Bowl. I don't think he's the guy, like a number one receiver. No. And he, he'll drop a pass every yeah. now and then as well. Um, I, I was there for training camp for Devin Funches, rookie year when they went to the Super Bowl. But I, I, I didn't see a lot out of Devin Funches then. He's gotten better since mm-hmm. his rookie year. But to me, I, I still think the Pats, like you said, they need to get a, a, a number one receiver. Yeah. They need a they need another solid uh, running back because um, I knew Jonathan Stewart. His time was coming yeah. because he just oh, yeah. stayed hurt too much. Oh, yeah. um, still issues in the secondary. I, yeah. I think they they need to shore up their secondary some mm-hmm. some kind of way of get some another veteran corner, mm-hmm. veteran safety, mm-hmm. and uh, got to get young up front too because Julius Peppers he he's on his last legs. Oh, yeah. Thomas Davis I think they said. This is going to be his last year. year. Yeah, last so, they, year. so they still need to add some youth as well. Yeah. And also, Cam, I was telling somebody else, Cam cannot be – your quarterback cannot be your leader rusher on your team. No, I, I think they just put too much on him to make every single play, yeah. and that's why he kind of gets banged up because right. it's, it's so much on him. Yeah. And I think they need to figure out a way to – they definitely have to, in the draft, add some pieces around him. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting back waiting. I was wondering, like, why haven't they really went out and spent more money to, yeah. to add some pieces. Yeah, you know, I don't, and I'm not sure about the um, the salary cap because I do know right now it's a waiting game. If you sign some veterans, it's going to cost you a little bit more. So they may be waiting to after the draft where you can get veterans at a little bit better price. That may be why. So um, I think they're trying to play that game to get a little bit more bang for their bucks. Um, that's where a lot of veterans are still sitting out there. Mm-hmm. No one has picked them up because you got to pay them a premium if you get them now. After draft or around the draft, you can get them a little bit cheaper, less expensive. So um, I'm, I'm hoping we get a corner, another mm-hmm. corner to help out. Um, the corners have uh, been amazing and being so young, but we, we need a veteran out there, like a, another Tillman that we got picked up a couple years ago. Right. You know, I'm saying we like I'm, I own the team. <laughs> Speaking of free agency, um, the name is quarterback that's shockingly still on the market, um, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Why do you think he's still on the market? Yeah, well, I, I think it's obvious. Every, everyone knows this guy could play. This guy is mm-hmm. no worse than second string on the 32 NFL team. So I think for standing up for you know for what he believed in, mm-hmm. um, it's their sacrifice for standing up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the sacrifice he's he's been faced with is is an opportunity to do something he loves. Um, I think years from down the, down the road, um, sort of like today, we're 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 celebrating Dr. King. Uh, if they unfortunately he was assassinated 50 years ago, mm-hmm. I think he won't be on that level. But we would think about him as a sacrifice years down the road that he did this and now things are better. Right. Um, but unfortunately for him. It's a personal sacrifice because he stood up for something that's going to make things better. And it, it to me, it was kind of a, a slap in the face a little bit when they showed saw a video of him working out and no scouts or anybody was there. But when Johnny Manziel, you know, all the issues that he's had. Yeah. And they still talk about he may get another opportunity oh, yeah. with everything, the legal trouble and everything yeah. that he's gotten into. He may get a chance. But Colin Kaepernick, who's kept his nose clean, may not even get another shot. Get another shot. And, and Life is not fair, and that's one of the things I've learned my 47 years on this earth. It's not fair, but it's, it is what it is, and, and you have to still turn ahead, and I think he will because he, he seemed to be a very strong guy. Um, right. You know, the, the thing is, if the players um, in the NFL were as strong as the players' relationships in the NBA, right. this wouldn't be an issue. Because it would have been taken care of and we wouldn't have heard anything else about it. It would have been taken care of, right. you know, because they had a power. The players had a power. Mm-hmm. And I, I th- and sorry to cut you off no, again. I, I think for me, when I look, look at it now, I think I believe that one day that the NBA will be bigger than the NFL because that's part of it. Because they let mm-hmm. the players, let, they let the stars be the stars of the league instead of the the, the teams and the owners dictating mm-hmm. everything that you can and can't do and and of course, they know yeah. what lines not to cross and everything, mm-hmm. but still, they the NFL is like they try to yeah. they try to oversee every single thing, and it and, it, and it's taken away from yeah. from the game. Well, you think about it with the NFL, you can't take your helmet off. So really, they don't, the brand is the team. They don't want you to be important in front of that brand or anything. So it's a true like ownership. Contracts are not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. No matter, you mean you have a contract five years, a hundred million dollars, they cut you the second year, you only get twenty million. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, with the NBA, it's, it's locked in. So mm-hmm. I do see from their standpoint, from the player standpoint, they are a little bit more free because now they're not worried about their job being X because they spoke out freely. Right. Because they still owe them four years. If you cut them, you still owe them four years. Right. One more thing about Kaepernick. Do you believe he'll get another shot in the NFL or do you think this oh. is it? Um, After being over a year out, uh, I, he's a world-class athlete. Um, but after being over a year, I, I, I think it'd be tough to get back out there. You know, I think it'd be tough for them, someone to give them a shot. I wish they would, because um, I think the guy could get out there and, and, and at least be a number two backup quarterback. Right. I would even feel good if, if the Panthers brought him on as a, as a backup to Cam. His style is, is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be a major drop off if, if we need to set Cam down for a second, just for a rest period. Um, it would, it, it, you know, definitely be beneficial, but Again, I think it is a uh, unspoken, uh, what we used to call the industry, blackball. And right. I think he's been blackballed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not right. It's not fair. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's smart enough, and I'm pretty sure he's not hurt financially. Would you – I'm not saying you would recommend it, but do you think if, if, if Johnny Manziel gets another shot in the NFL and Kaepernick doesn't, do you think there'll be some kind of – pushback maybe from from african-americans or where they may not may not watch football anymore mm-hmm. to just show strength in numbers and and not deal with the nfl because mm-hmm. of manziel getting another chance mm-hmm. or 
and Colin Kaepernick not getting another chance? Do you mm-hmm. think it'll be some kind of pushback? I, I think it'd be pushback, but it won't be loud enough. I think the pushback won't be loud enough. I think whenever you make changes, and we've seen it just recently with Parkland, um, it has to be financially, economically. Um, um, the comments Laura Ingram made on Fox News, mm-hmm. um, when it became financial, then and start losing sponsors, then the apology comes. Right. Um, you know the bus um, um, boycotts back in the '60s, when we had the bus boycotts, and, and minorities stopped riding buses, and, and Bus industry lost millions of dollars. Then all of a sudden, you can you can sit on any seat you want to sit on. Mm-hmm. So it it's, it has to have a financial pack to it. And I just don't know if the the movement is strong enough for everyone to stick together and not view football games. Right. Yeah, like because this you know it's hard for we we, we love football, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what would you recommend for for? Um, African Americans to do in this situation, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, you don't want to tell people to. You, it's hard to tell people what to do, but what mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. think should happen if that does yeah. with the Manziel Kaepernick situation? Yeah. What do you think should happen? Well, I think it definitely need to be discussion. I think it need to be discussions, and it need to be discussions. I'm sort of like I have a whole new uh, respect for for Lone uh, Howie Lone son. Um, because someone has spoken with him, and he gets it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about disrespecting the military. My dad retired military. My dad would be the first one to, to kneel because it's because of lives. Mm-hmm. If I have to kneel for a flag to save a life, then that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. That's a no-brainer. And um, so I think we have to have conversations with everybody, mm-hmm. everybody in the room, and, and let them see the perspective of, Okay, this this happens over and over again, um, and this is why we bring attention to it. This is the this is the only way you're gonna get attention mm-hmm. to it. It's sort of like shooting the fireworks up to get attention. If I'm speaking in a low voice tone, it's not gonna get the attention. I had to scream to get your attention. And what and it's and it's almost like they try to deflect the reason why he did it. Instead, they'll say people will say that he was doing it just to disrespect the flag. But why why do you think people try to deflect the attention from the real issue of yeah. young African-American men getting gunned down or people of, um, of color facing oppression. Why do you think they try to deflect their attention away from it? I think it's perspective. I think, um, again, if my neighbor's house is broken into, I may not see that it's a, that, you know, we have a problem in the neighborhood. But if my house gets broken into, then, hey, I need everybody's out here. Out here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's not impacting your neighborhood, then it's like, I don't see anything wrong. Right. So when it's something impacts you, sort of like the, the tax increase this year, you know, where I sit, the tax increase was, was beneficial for me. So, but for the folks that didn't, not in that group, it's not beneficial to them. And if I can't see that perspective, knowing that just a short few years ago, I was in that, in that same boat and I can't say, well, I need to look out for everybody. Then that's where the problem comes in. Right. That's if true. I don't look for the whole and say, hey, I want the good to be for the whole. And, and I think that's, Part of the problem with the owners, I guess they feel like since it's not affecting them, their community, then it's not such a problem. But like you were saying, Chris Long, he gets it. And mm-hmm. and, and they were trying to say that this kind of stuff um, hurts the team when, when you have this protest going on and, and the guys taking the knee that it, it hurts the team. But they, it goes to show you that with the Eagles, won the Super Bowl. they won the Super Bowl. So, it, so it's not that it um, it doesn't cause any kind of mm-hmm. – 
If Com- anything, it brought them closer together. Right. Yeah. And I guarantee you from, from sports, being playing sports, we had the less racial tensions of anybody. Anybody mm-hmm. on my football team, white, brown, blue, black, we were all brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I even hear that with military. Guys in the military, uh, they don't see color, especially when you're out there in a foxhole or you're in a war. It's about surviving and you're together. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think those experiences need to be put in a bottle and shared across the spectrum so everyone can get that. that way. We're people, all the people. Right. A couple more questions and then we'll get out of here. Um, it's, it's still early and it's, it's just only some things on paper. But if you had to say for for football in the NFL, mm-hmm. who would you say would be your Super Bowl prediction right now? Woo. No, I'm a big time Panthers, but I can't go there. I can't go there right now. <laughs> I want to, but I can't go there. Um, wow, that's tough because it's always tough to go against New England because mm-hmm. um, they're retooling. Uh, they I don't think business. they'll be the same this year. They won't be the same, but New England is, is so so strong minded that they may this year have two running backs run for a thousand yards. So they switch it up. Whatever right. they need to do, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, a lot of folks are not not picking them, but I, I think I think the Rams may may do something. You and, know, they added uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, yes, and Brandon Cooks yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Sherm. Uh, no, not Sherm. He's San Francisco. You have Talib on one side, and you have Peters on the other right. side. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if they both don't get thrown out in the games every week, <laughs> <Right. they, laughs> They should they should go far, you know. All right, so Young coach. So the Rams and the NFC. What about the AFC? AFC New England. I think I think Pittsburgh gonna get there. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gonna get over the I I would say for me, um, I think San Diego might be the team. I think Phillip Rivers has enough on the offensive side of the ball now. Um, you got two really good corners in Casey Hayward, Verrett, Jason Verrett comes back, and you got Ingram and Joey Bosa on the ends. Mm-hmm. I think. For me, I think they will be the team. And in the NFC, I think on paper the Rams look really good. But if I had to choose, I would say I probably would pick Drew Brees and the Saints this year. Okay. I, I think yeah. just what happened last year, I think they kind of just right the wrong. I think they'll get back for some kind of way because I, Drew Brees is still an elite quarterback. He is. Yeah. And I think that um, he will figure out a way to – to get there, and then you'll have you know Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, the two guys. You know, Phillip Rivers was the backup for him, so oh, yeah. back in San Diego. So maybe this will be a, a showdown, but you know, it's, it's still a long shot. Um, still got free agency going on, uh, the NFL draft, so it's still a lot of work to do. But I'm pretty sure that my picks may change. Yeah. Well, I tell you, if your pick comes to fruition, you can have the two oldest quarterbacks, you know, except for um, Tom Brady playing mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, right. Yeah, that would be a story there. Mm-hmm. That would be a huge story. All right, one more, one more question. Um, um, kind of back to the beginning. What? Um, I know you're saying on your bucket list, but is there anything that you wish to accomplish? Mm-hmm. What's your major goal going yeah. forward? Well, one of my one of my goals, uh, major goal, is again is to get that PhD. And it's not so far as to for my career, but it's a personal challenge to to get that doctorate. Because again, I, I mentioned earlier, um, coming out of high school. I was all about athletics, all about a. I, I got to be tops at this, tops running back, tops linebacker, this. And um, even though my parents pushed me and said, you know, you get to get your grades, I just did enough to get by. Which in turn, um, probably my most disappointing time was being, you know, coming in to be a Division One school, had all these offers, 
and couldn't couldn't live them out because um, doing just enough, taking right. all um, college prep and advanced courses, but just doing C's, just enough to get out. And it came back to bite me. So right. my goal is to, to again now I'm a, I'm a professor, um, got to college and I'm turning into a B plus student, um, grad school A student um, to get that PhD. Again, it'll be one of those things to say, hey. I know I was better than than that mistake I made back in high school. All so, right, all right. We'll wrap it up, Mr. Uh, Willis. I want to thank you for sitting down with me. Do you have any um social media or um anything you want to give out for school? Anything? Any yeah. kind of advice you want to give out? Yeah. Well, again, the, the advice I would give out to anybody is to make sure you build relationships. Uh, you build relationships, then things will will be beneficial for you and for your community. Uh, Always look for encouraging someone. If you see someone who's who's um, having a tough time, um, just an encouraging word. Uh, sharing your experience with them. Mm-hmm. Your experience may lift them out of a dark, dark place. Um, so that's been probably my motto, is being someone who can inspire others. Okay. Uh, as a professional, as a athlete, former athlete, just inspire, inspire others. All right. Thank you, sir. And there you have it. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this. This has been the Cross the Line Podcast. Until next time, keep chasing dreams. And thank you for listening.